welcome. Coming to you from the Kyber Refinery on Edu. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And you know I've got that blue milk. <laughs> Indeed, you do. It's a little on your lip. Get that. <laughs> but this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. Hello again. Early, uh, very early, one day early, may the 4th be with you. Yes, may the 4th be with you. And also with you. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that will be tomorrow as of the release of this episode. And so obviously... Um, you know, we'd be reminisced not to do something Star Wars related. You know, of course, yeah, it is a holy day. You know. <laughs> the, one of the high holy days, or as as the AI uh, said, the uh, that's right, the one true religion, the, the one true the religion, Jedi Order. Yes, the Jedi Order. <laughs> Go back to look if if you listen to our AI episode, you'll understand that with the uh, Lambda software. Yeah, that was last week's episode, or no, not last week's, two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, my timeline's a little screwed up. Yeah, that's okay. That's what happens with Star Wars, though. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to be messed up this week as well. So this episode is going to be a little bit of a different format. We're trying something a little new that will be a recurring uh, type of episode where we pick out a very particular topic, um, like a movie. Or series or or something something like like that. that. Yeah, maybe a particular thing and do basically a, a deep dive, a kind of a talk about one particular thing. And kind of go through it, you know, give our discussions um, about our thoughts on, you know, the particular movie or something. And then we'll each give a rating at the end of it. Oh, yeah. A, uh, it was a five point scale, right? Kind of a five, uh, five stars, I guess it would be, you could be one way to kind of think about it. I'll say five, we'll, we'll make it five lightsabers. Huh? From five May. kyber crystals? F- five <laughs> kyber crystals. Yeah. Oh, that would be a good idea. Yeah. You guys are... This is our, this is actually a business meeting right now. Right. We could always rank it five something based on whatever oh, the episode is about. I see what you're saying. I think that's our, well, if it deserves a five. Oh, no, yeah. It could be one Kyber crystal out of five. If Which, it sucks. Well, yeah. like the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> it's the times, you know, Josh, it's the <laughs> It was time. the eighties. It was the eighties. We've not done an eighties episode yet. This week, our topic that we're taking a deep dive into is Rogue One. A Star Wars story. A Star Wars story. Um, we chose Rogue One mainly because I think it'd be good to go back and do like the other ones, more of the, like the prequels and sequels and um, the, maybe the new ones in mm. order from those. And we can do those over time. Um, but this one is one that's kind of relevant given the Andor series that had just come out. And oh, it's, and that's right. And then we're looking at season two of Andor coming out in August of 2024. Right. Which I still haven't seen any of those. I need, it's hard finding the time to, to watch through whole series nowadays, but yeah. And at some point, there will be some minor Andor spoilers in here. I'm going to try to keep them to a minimum for Josh's sake, just because, you know, he's, I appreciate that. He does not have the time sometimes to do it. However, as well, and that, and getting with your wife. It's because she would want to watch these things as well. So yeah, it's tough to, with her work schedule, she works so late that it's tough finding time for both of us just to sit down and watch something. Yeah. But if you guys want to talk series, I'm your guy. So there will be some Andor references in this. I'm going to try to keep them to a minimum, but we can't have one without the other. And I think um, Rogue One on a standalone is, is an excellent movie. But now with the addition of Andor, 
some of the little things that you notice when watching Rogue One and vice versa, you really, really appreciate. Okay, cool. So opening, you know, you get the, the Star Wars deal, but... So- we get our well that's why i like is because they they differentiated it from so the opening scene the opening the opening score yeah which that's the first thing i noticed and wrote down on my notes here i've got some notes i'm going to kind of reference throughout the episode that it didn't start with the music because it i think is because it has nothing it's not part of the skywalker saga and so it, it differentiates itself it is its own separate star wars story and they don't they don't do that I guess it's still kind of related to the story because it bleeds into it a little bit, but it does. But we're looking at the, our protagonist is, yeah. you know, is, is right. Cassian isn't, isn't and Jen. a Skywalker of some kind. Yes, we're not. We're, we are in the same universe. It is. It is a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. We get the opening. We see the Imperial shuttle tracing across this beautiful, beautiful ring. Right, the transport ship. Yeah, the transport ship. It's 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 gliding underneath this beautiful ring structure, which I like. We. I don't know that there's been a lot of, I think Geonosis was a ringed planet. Mm, um, I believe so. But it wasn't, you know, the beauty of it when it's so close to all of those things and you get like kind of the, the sh- there was a lot of shadow effects in this movie and we see it and then it comes down onto the planet Lamu. Is that how you say that? La, well, La, La, Lamu. Lamu. Lama. And as the shuttle's coming down, we get this very, this is one of the things I like that's when Star Wars does. We get this automatic, I feel like I'm somewhere different. Mm. I see the ring in the sky, right? Right. Which is see the ring in the atmosphere. That's always one of those things that I've seen in like games like No Man's Sky or mm. obviously, you know, Halo back in the day. You get the thing, look it up. And that's always, yes, something that your brain just instantly is like. It, it it puts that feeling of being on some different planet, you know, looking up and seeing just something other than a moon in in the sky. Yes. Other than clouds and, and the sun and the moon and stuff. So we get that beautiful ring shot as it comes into land. We see Jen, we see a protagonist, our young protagonist, Jen or so. We see her running. Mm-hmm. We automatically feel running back home, a sense of foreboding because, you know, there, there's a read like this is not a good thing that's happening to her. It, 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 you get that sense too that they're so kind of out there and alone and stuff that like it's it's that kind of same thing that, you know, for anybody who lives like way out in the country, if you have like a long driveway that if any car pulls in your driveway that isn't yours, you're like, what are you doing here? What are they doing over there? What are yeah. you doing back here in the woods? Exactly. Yeah. You immediately like like raises your flags like oh crap like something something crazy is happening right now and so yeah she runs back home she's running back home and then we see the ship coming down so then we get to see the beautiful landscape we see this very dark rich black soil reminiscent mm. of like an Iceland, like Icelandic kind yeah, of like volcanic. Yeah, it very much had that feel to it then interposed with this beautiful lush green Right. It's just like this. the way it looks is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then we see the moisture evaporators a la Tatooine. We see the same kind of like structure set up. Right. That automatically you're kind of getting an idea of where we're at. Right. Right. Then we get to see inside their little home. And I like these. I like seeing inside the homes in Star Wars. Right. To see how they've decorated in there and how it's even just the architecture and all that kind of stuff. Love the architecture. And they did such a good, it felt so lived in like the entire, you know, I mentioned blue milk. We've got the famous blue milk, 
right? <laughs> That's on the counter. There's oh, like did they, I didn't even notice that. Did they have some? There's, in there? there's about it, like a whole pitcher just sitting on the counter. Of blue oh, milk. I, I completely I missed that detail. And um, we see like all like it's not super clean. It feels very lived in. It's got like it's very it has this very like homey, homey feel, feel to, to it. it. Yeah. And then we can tell everybody else is nervous. Mm. Right. Yeah. And we mom see, and dad, that's they're, right. they're nervous. We have Lyra, the mother, and we have, we have Galen Urso played by Mads Mickelson. And, um, they get on the, their little TV screen to yeah. Forrest Whitaker, who is Saw. playing Saw Gerrera, which if you're a Rebels fan or Clone Wars fan, I think he might've been in some of the Clone Wars episodes, but he's definitely a, he's definitely a big topic in the Rebels. Oh, was he? Oh yes, I haven't a, seen that either. He's in Rebels pretty frequently, the Rebels cartoon series, oh, and there's cool. actually several Rebels things that I'm going to point out about okay. this whole thing, uh, because we will we will get to know some of the Rebels characters in the new Ahsoka series coming out this August in August 2023 in August 2023. Cool. So then we see Saw. We, yeah, we they call him up on the screen. <laughs> we see Saw. See Saw. <laughs> <laughs> And then we hop on a seesaw <laughs> and then merry around and have a good old time. We we get to see Guerrera, Saw Guerrera yeah. for the first time. We see him on his little screen. We can tell there's a plan in place and something bad yeah. is happening. They're they're pulling out their contingency plan that has obviously been set in place mm-hmm. for in case something like this were to happen. And then we keep, we we shoot back outside and we get to see Director Krennic. Mm. Old Krennic. Director Krennic in his, his white outfit. White with cape. outfit with the, with the cape, right? Very loved it. Right. And then. What, but what I liked. It was the Death Troopers. Yes. Those black stormtroopers with their black armor. Like, yeah, that was a, it's such, I mean, it's obviously, you know, stormtroopers are white for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like you have the camo sniper ones and stuff from time to time. But. Most of the time, you're the, the generic white thing. So seeing something as starkly, obviously opposite, just pure black, I guess it'd be similar to like TIE fighter pilots mm-hmm. and yeah. st- stuff like that. But this was had, you know, the very polished kind of shiny. And they were in stature, you know, historically, whenever there was like an imperial, even like modern day, right? Even modern day, like I mean, Oklahoma, right? The Oklahoma Highway Patrol, right? Like the... The Highway Patrol of Oklahoma, you had to be a certain height to be joining. Oh, right. Really? It had to be like six foot two or something like that. Oh, right? wow. It's the same thing that happened for like in ancient times with like Imperial Guard units or Royal Guard units. There was often like like the Grenadiers, right? The, mm. So like the British Grenadiers, you see the guys with their, with their bearskin hats and mm. that kind of thing, you know, the red, typical red coat. The Grenadiers were selected as the biggest, strongest dudes. Right. Right. And so the, you I, you kind of get that feeling because all of them yeah. seem to dwarf Director Krennic. Right. I mean, similarly, like in, you know, modern day American armies, like the guys who carry the, the saw gunners are like the M240s and stuff. They oftentimes, oftentimes they're, biggest, they're yeah. bigger dudes because you got to haul that gear around. Yeah. But yeah. The same kind of thing. Like they're, they're pretty imposing and give a very threatening uh, demeanor to them. And even more scary is that we can't understand what they're saying because all their stuff is encrypted. That's what I was trying to figure out. I guess, yeah, it just said, yeah, like electronic voice or something in the subtitles I was on. But yeah, I guess it was just an encrypted It's just encrypted language. radio. I'm pretty sure it's just like encrypted, like, like oh, I think it's wow. just an re- encrypted inner squad radio. Right. And that, I think part of that is because it helps us dehumanize them. And when the, we don't mm. see them as human, like makes them more imposing. 
And I think that's what it would do to the general right. populace as well. I guess like it would just translate it within their helmets to them. Yeah. Receiving the info or something. Yeah. But from the outside, obviously, whatever you hear, oh, here is that muffled. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And then we, they, they're all armed. Well, they're all like, you know, they all have armaments that we've seen in other star Wars episodes for the most part, the E their version of like the little E 11 blaster. Yeah. Is different. It's got that kind of like stainless steel, like almost compensator thing. Look at the end of it. And that looks pretty hot. So it's like a nice, their update. whole outfit and their gear and stuff was, yeah, it seemed yes. like an update to the, like a stormtrooper kind of yes. thing. It was cool. It was, and, and they were in small enough in numbers that it felt unique. I feel like that's something that we've seen in other things. Like the, You can tell they're reserved for protecting higher ranked members of the Empire. Yes. And then we get to, we get the face off between Galen and Director Crane. Well, before that, back in the home, you know, they tell the daughter, you know, you know where to go. You yes. know what to do. Trust the force. That's right. Yeah, they tell her that that line and stuff, and she takes off. And th- that's when mom gives her the kyber crystal, correct? Yeah. She so gives the, her the her necklace. necklace with the kyber crystal on it. And yeah. we see this like clear, which I like it as a clear one too. You yeah. know, if there's not like a colored to it. Yeah, I wonder uh, what that would look like if you put it in a lightsaber. I don't know. Well, may never know. One may never know. But yeah, so they do that. Uh, yeah, she takes off. Yeah, and then you have the the face off between the two, or between uh. Galen and uh, farming Galen, a man yeah. of your talent. Right. And he's like, I'm just, it's yeah. a simple life. And we can tell that like, okay, so this guy is not like a rebel trader or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is somebody that has maybe defected or something. Right. To that effect. You can tell that there's some relation right off the bat that they know each other, obviously. Yes. And, uh, you know, he comes out and says, you know, it's just him that his, his wife has died. Mm hmm. To which Krennic is like, you know, oh, my condolences and stuff. But even in saying that, it seems like it wasn't very genuine. No, yeah. and, and it was very like Ben Mendelsohn plays an excellent villain in director Krennic. Like he is a, uh, they make him competent at mm-hmm. what he's doing, mm-hmm. ambitious, and also very, um, he's got this like, um, cruelness to him which i yeah i think is neat like no real empathy just towards the the, the regular people no. kind of stuff that he doesn't have that kind of thing in him no and then lyra mom shows up mm-hmm. right and oh lyra back from the oh, dead hey, yeah she's back from the dead how about that and he said it in a way like yeah i already knew yeah, yeah. I, I and he, i think he, he says you know you've never been a good liar or something like that that you, you've never been good at lying and then she pulls out the little scout blaster that yeah, we she see. Pulls out that pistol. Little pistol that we see like with uh Imperial Scout Troopers that they wear on their mm-hmm. ankle or whatever. And she has that on her. And we get this little standoff and you know, you'll never win. Yeah. And just long enough for, you know, the tension to build a little bit, and then Grinnick's like, do it. So they the stormtroopers fire at her, which she obviously fires back, hits him in the shoulder, and then that that took her out though. Yeah, they killed her yeah. immediately. Galen rushes to her and then we hear for we hear him saying they have a daughter, find her. And then we see yeah. we've seen that Jen has watched the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And we see that she, she witnessed it. Jen um then takes off running, goes to her goes little, to his cave, cave out, out in the kind of nearby mountainside. With the coolest little like trap yeah, door. Yeah, it's just like a normal looking rock, but you lift up, it's a secret hatch 
that leads to a little underground hidey hole. Yeah. Perfect. And yeah. then we get the, we get these voiceless, faceless, dark, you know, death troopers yeah. walking. She's peering through the crack, kind of looking out at the cave entrance, see them come in looking for, her. obviously they don't see her. So they leave. The intro. So this intro scene is one of like, it is probably one of my favorite star Wars scenes overall. I mean, probably behind like the prequels, some of the prequels things, hmm. but you, you get so much out of it. That's not said. I've talked about, and I'll talk about again, good storytelling. We should be shown it, not told it. And right, right. We, you know, when we see like, we were this close to greatness from director Krennic, when mm. he's, we know like, Oh, there's something he was working with the empire without him, without them coming back. Like, we need you to come back and help us complete the death star to blow up planets. Right. Right. It's very like, we, we get it. We understand what's going on just through the things that are happening. And as we're told more about it later, it gives it even more credence. So from there, we have a flash forward to her in prison. In time, her in jail. Yeah. Yeah. She's in prison. We, she's got like a sleepy alien in there with their little, they're doing their little honk shoe. A little tentacle man. With their tentacle stuff, face. Yeah. yeah. And we get like a little glimpse of the outside. We see stormtroopers are watching her on this prison planet. And it's really kind of a, a short scene, but we understand we, we get the immediate, because it happens immediately. We don't have to have somebody say, Jen, come over here and get your food. Like we know it's Jen because right. we just saw her leave. Oh, flash forward. Uh, please skipped over. She's in there for an unknown amount of time. And then the hatch opens up and, um, saw, uh, is, Oh, that's up, true. Yeah. yeah. In the first scene. Yes. Yeah. Saw opens the hatch up and says, you know, come child or whatever he says, that's you know, right. he comes there to rescue her. That's right. Yes. You know, implying that, yeah, he came and saved her and probably raised her mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. And then fast forward to her in jail, fast forward. Then we get her in jail and this is a very short scene. We see her in jail. I like seeing the way that like sci-fi movies handle jails. This specific one, they do the jail scene. It looks very, you know, it's jail without having to be yeah. told it's jail and there's nothing much more to it. Right. So then, right. We jump through to the um, ring of Kafreen. Yes, the Ring of Kafreen. And we get our first introduction to Cassian Andor. We see Cassian. Oh, right. They're down in these, these streets and these alleyways, a very crowded, you know, underbelly part of town. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of uh, like some like merchant looking things going on, little stalls and stuff, people trading, people going about their daily business. And then, yeah, you see him kind of moving through the crowd back into this alleyway to have a conversation. And we can tell that he's got this rogue aspect to him. Like he is just going through the crowd. I think he like shoulder bumps a stormtrooper at one point and just keeps going. Yeah. And he's definitely got this um, street savvy movement about him. This isn't his first time moving about the city stealthily. No. And he's like he we automatically know like tensions are heightened and that he's on a mission without being told he's on a mission. So then he meets up with his contact. Right. Very. So then we get like the espionage part of it. We get like, oh, he must be some kind of spy or gangster or something to that effect. And we right. can they, tell, yeah, they somehow know each other. And he's like, he can tell that he's got information of some kind. Mm -hmm. And we get to see him speaking to this guy. And we learn that there is a Imperial shuttle pilot that's defected. Right. To the left. Yeah, that's right. 
And at that point, I think that they find out. Uh, he, he kind of like, you know, like he can tell he had, the guy has more information. He's like, you know, tries to pull it out of him. Like, like, tell me, you know, yeah. tell me what you know. And he, the other guy very reluctantly is like, they call it a planet killer. Yeah. And oh, that's true. They, they call it a planet killer. And then we see Cassian's, his entire, like he, he's like, oh. I was like, yeah, that's, that, that applies a seriousness to it that wasn't there before. We, and I think that carrying through. Like that's quite an, a, 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 what's the word? A, uh, not an assumption, but, uh. It's, it's definitely heavy. Like it's weighing on him super heavily. Yeah. It, and we see, we see Cassian change from the first time, like we see him. He now goes complete mission mode and he's got a thing that he has to accomplish. And really he's got he, the info now. He has so, the info and he yeah. has to get that back. And whether he, maybe he's heard about that in the past, you know, now that he, cause he, he is a captain in the rebel intelligence. Right. Right. But maybe he's heard about that stuff in the past. Maybe like this is the second time he's heard about it or whatever, but this like it hits him hard. And because it hits him so hard, you know, then they happen because they're arguing in the back with these two stormtroopers approach. Right. And they give him like the like, what are you guys doing? Let me see your, you know, ID or whatever. And we get a little glimpse of Cassian's character in that he is a shoot first. Ask you know, questions later. Yeah. Kind of guy. Yeah. And we see that in the Andor series as well. Mm. Cassian is one of the darker characters. He's one of the. He is definitely kind of like one of the grayest characters that we've dealt with in Star Wars. Chaotic so, neutral. Chaotic neutral. Well, or I mean, he's definitely. Um, chaotic good, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe chaotic. Well, there's obviously a little bit of chaoticness there. There's definitely chaos there because he, yeah. even in the Andor series, he is, um, you know, we see him kill two people kind of in cold blood in mm. the first episode. And. Some people have not liked that. I've seen some people say, well, I don't like it. I don't, I want my heroes to be these knights in, in shining armor and not like, mm-hmm. I've seen people like actors who have said, they don't it just doesn't feel like Star Wars. They don't like the anti-hero. And I like it because I get it. So Cassian blasts these two dudes. It's yeah. shots fired that yeah. people know. Bad guys. Stormtroopers are going to be aware of this now. Like something's going down back in the alleyway. Cassian can't leave any witnesses. Yeah. And so, or liabilities, or anything to slow him because down. his contact seems to have like some type of deformed arm. He's not able he to can't climb. climb well. Yeah, and so Cassian calms him down. He's like it's going to be okay. Tells him that three or four times, and then we hear the muffled blaster shot into his back, and he crumples. Yep. And Cassian makes his his escape, and that is huge. So the, the, we we have seen him kill two troopers immediately, and his contact. Right. Right. And that's when I watched it for the first time, 2016 or something like that, when it came out. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Mm. Because now we're dealing with like a more grown up Star Wars. Right, right. A little bit. Right. Which I enjoy. I, this, this was kind of like the, the movie that I had been hoping for for a while. It was a nice change of pace for sure. Absolutely. And as he climbs to make his escape... We are then taken to the next scene. Yes. The, the desolate, barren, brown as brown can be landscape of Jeddah. Jeddah. Yeah, another, another planet. And the rock formation. 
Let's talk about that. The giant statue of a Jedi on its side. Oh, right. Yeah, where it kind of zooms out. And uh, was that afterwards? No, that was here. That was at this opening one. No, I just didn't know if it was after the introduction of that character, Bodhi. And their conversation with the the stuff. I think that was like the the last transition as it zoomed oh, out. Oh, as it zoomed out. But well, we see it, we it, can it, see. It, well, you can see the head in the hood yeah. at the beginning, and then you can, then at the end you can see it holding this yeah. lightsaber. Yeah, but yeah, there's this giant fallen statue in the sand of a Jedi. Huge, giant. I mean, hundreds of feet tall, hundreds of feet wide. Yeah, and it's on its side, buried, half sunk, kind of like this Ozymandias uh, esque. You know, mm. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, you know, right, a vast trunkless, you know, legs that stand in the desert. You get that same kind of feeling, you know, mm-hmm. that there was there was something great once here. Yes. Long time ago. That's right. I, you know what? And now I'm talking about it. I do. I feel like that might be kind of an Ozymandias reference, if not just a. It looks old or whatever. Right. So then we see the the ragtag group of rebels, heavily armed. Oh, yeah. Multiple different alien species. Yeah, some humans, just some all, all kinds of different uh, species and stuff. My favorite, which I don't even want to know what he is, is the giant Wookiee, the giant uh, Yeti. The big, oh, yeah. The big white Yeti that's just like, he's got the huge blaster and he's just hanging out. Yeah. One of my favorites. And then we get to see the lieutenant of of, of what we find out is Sar Guerrera's partisan group mm-hmm. and they're interviewing now we're getting to find out about the rebel pilot or the sorry the imperial pilot who has defected it defected yeah and they won't believe him and he's being completely honest yeah. right he is but he is rolling super low on just, his on his far, perception he, persuasion checks exactly as far as they know he's just an imperial pilot and all they do is cause trouble exactly and so. they're like oh we're they they, they say they're going to capture him and there's a very short scene they put the hood back on and yep. they they take him on. And he just keeps saying, I need to speak to Saul Guerrero. Yeah. I need to speak to Saul. He just keeps kind of repeating that and like desperately pleading that that's who he needs to talk to. That he's got information for him. So then we get our fade out on the on the giant visage of the Jedi half sunk in the sand. And we see the, the giant crawler that we see like in kind of Attack of the Clones or the Revenge of the Sith, actually, um, where we see the giant wheeled vehicles that the clone troopers were using as like a prisoner transport. And we see right. the same prisoner. We see Jenner. So sitting in the thing, we see some kind of tough male. And then we see like the, uh, squid Billy, we see well, old squid Billy just hanging yeah. out in there. And the troopers are dirty and dusty. And yeah. been a while since they've cleaned their armor. It's been a while. And it's kind of funny to me. Cause so Andor and, Rogue One in general have done a good job. You know, for those that don't know, stormtroopers weren't like ever. The Imperial Army also was, they didn't always dress like stormtroopers. Stormtroopers were kind of a more elite group. Um, they were significant, like they were significant in number. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of them, but they weren't like the official backbone. So when we, if you look at the Han Solo story, for example, we see Han Solo on the planet he fights on Miravan or Minivan or whatever it's called. And he is dressed in like the standard Imperial infantry outfits. Mm. So it's kind of interesting. You, you kind of find out like maybe this is like, if you, if you kind of are star Wars savvy, you might just say, well, this is maybe these guys are a little bit more extreme. That's the reason why they have stormtroopers. Maybe these are like the, the stormtroopers who kind of screwed everything up and they, 
they are on this planet now. Right. Doing guard duty. Right. Um, so the, the crawler just suddenly comes to a, a halt. Br- uh, br- yeah. Abrupt, abrupt stop. stop. Yeah. And then, you know, the stormtroopers are like, what is it now? Another pickup? Yeah, you another know? pickup or something going on. And so and is, is the, did they open the back or was the back like blasted off? I feel like it's blasted. blasted it was off. blasted open. And that's when the, the rebels quick, quick, fast firefight. Yeah. Troopers drop. Strike team comes in and just take out the troopers. And then they ask for Ileana something. They ask for the the name that Jen Erso had been using. They ask for her alibi name. Right. Her kind of alias. Her she alias was that she was imprisoned under. And um, which is also kind of a throwback to Andor, if you guys are Andor fans. Because um, that kind of happened in the Andor series as well with Cassian. Um, and as she gets out of the restraints, she grabs a shovel. She is not interested. She's no. like, she's not like, oh, hey, save me, save me. Yeah. She hits everybody with a shovel. She takes out. And then we get to see my new, my favorite character. She runs and goes to jump out the back of the thing and is caught in midair. By K2SO. Yes. The best comic relief character in Star Wars history. Dude, he's like, yeah, he... As good as C-3PO and R2-D2 are, like, his one, his lines and his wittiness and his kind of just, like, snarkiness is top-notch. It, oh, it is the best. And he said, you know, so then he throws her to the ground. We see the wind taken out of her, you know, air coming out of her lungs, and we hear him say, you're being rescued. Please do not resist. <laughs> <laughs> and... And oh, how nice and pleasant. You saved me by throwing me on the ground. Exactly. And then we fade into like Yavin 4, right? So now after that, we fade directly into Yavin 4, which... Yes, a very familiar planet to, you know, the, the Star Wars loyal loyalists who have, you know, followed it, the, you know, up to this point in the movie releases. That's a very, you know, a flashback, you know, very nostalgic planet. And it's... And it is the 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 chronological, like it is the... The, the Battle of Yavin, right, mm-hmm. is the beginning of, like, Star Wars history, essentially, for us. So there's BBY, which is, like, you know, before Battle of Yavin, and there's ABY, after mm-hmm. Battle of Yavin. Right. It's so, such a pivotal point in the timeline that that's how they, like, differentiate stuff. The costumes, the set, everything, it feels like they could have been changed out. Mm-hmm. Right. We get the same guy in his little weird up like tower. His little lookout tower to like use his like binoculars to like scope in ships flying in. And he's got that little gun that he points at him. Like I'm guessing it's like reading, you know. It probably pulls up like the transponder transponder. IDs and all that kind of stuff. All the info. And love it. We get to see like the same temples. We get to see all the things. Everything that you played in video games. Everything is there. Everything looks perfect. Everything is perfectly filmed. It even seems to have like the same kind of filter over it that makes it feel a little bit older. Right. Um, and we find out a little bit. We find out a little bit about we find out that she's Jen or so. Yeah. And that she's been a naughty girl. Right. right? And she got in trouble and now she's here. Right, introduced and, to a couple characters, get to see Mon Mothma. Yeah, you know she makes an appearance in the younger, you know, self of what we've seen in the older video and er, Bill, older movies. And Bill Organa, yeah, right, and which I love as well because Mon Mothma in and in the Andor series is huge. She's one of the main point of view characters oh, in the wow. Andor series. Yeah, she is, and it's because we're seeing we see her on Coruscant interacting, and we see that the 
her trying to like get money to the rebels and she's being watched by Imperial mm. secret service in like very stressful kind of more political drama, which I love. And we see Mon Mothma same care, you know, same actress who played her in revenge of the Sith, you know, Andor, all of that. Huh. And Bail Organa, which same actor from the, from the prequels as well. So we see him, um, we find out that Galen is working on something and that she is the kind of like the, the end that they think with, with the Saw Gerrera group, with his group of partisan rebels. Right. So they know that he's on Jeddah. So they're going to go to Jeddah essentially is what we get out of it. We, there's not a whole lot of, there's, there's some decent, um, we find that she's kind of like a, reluctant to do anything, but she's also being threatened by the Alliance. Like, we'll just put you back where we, back where we found if you. If you're not going to help us, we'll just be a, put you back. Yeah. And so, so we're, not, we're not out of anything. And then we get, uh, one of my favorite scenes is, um, is when Cassian's going to take her there by himself with K2SO, his, his handy droid. Mm-hmm. And they get on the U-wing and, um, she that she has the pistol. She finds she has the blaster. Yeah, and they ask her like, "Where'd you get the blaster?" Where'd you get that? And she says, "I found it." And and then we hear K two S O say, "I find that answer vague and unconvincing." <laughs> right. And then she's like, "Hey, this all starts with trust or whatever." Yeah, trust goes both ways. And Cassian's like, "Okay." And then K two is like, "Why does she get one and I don't get one?" <laughs> and then as they're as they're taking off, we hear K two S O say, "Do you want to know the chances of her using against you?" Yeah. And Cassie doesn't say anything, and then just deadpan K two S O goes, "It's high. It, it's high. <laughs> it's very high." <laughs> and then we um, do we do they jump to do we jump to the Death Star then? Yes. So That's, yeah, we get go to the Death Star. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The first thing we see is the Star Destroyer mm-hmm. coming out of the shadow right. of the Death Star. Yeah, to kind of give it some scale. You kind yes. of see how that it's, it's, that's dwarfs no this moon. Thing. That's no moon. Yeah. It dwarfs this thing. It's huge. Right. Which similarly, we see scale kind of going forward in time of a Star Destroyer above Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. This shows kind of how big, it's as big as a city. It's huge. And then you kind of think back like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and it's tiny compared to this thing. Yeah. God, like how long did that take to make? I guess you got future or past technology, but who knows? A long time, regardless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from there, we are introduced to a, another old character. Grand Moff Tarkin. Old Tarkin, which I don't, I don't know how I feel about the CGI on him. Uh, so watching it, the other, because I've seen Rogue One probably six times. Wow. This, so yeah, in preparation for this uh, podcast, we both rewatched it. And I'll say that uh, when I watched it, I watched it yesterday. That was only my second time ever seeing it. I've seen, I love Rogue One so much that I watch it at least once a year at minimum. Yeah. And um, when I watched it compared to some of the CGI I've seen now, it's not as blatant to me. I kind of feel like I had the same thought. Like, yeah, like I remember it being a thing when the movie came out that a lot of people commented on it. But yeah, like I think subsequently in the different CG I've seen in other movies and stuff since then, that 
did not look good at all. No, I, I and to be honest with you, Grand Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia are CGI added into this into this film. Yeah, and they are what I feel to be honest with you, worlds above the kind of CGI face you got from the Mandalorian when it had Luke Skywalker in it. Yeah, I'd say yeah, it definitely seemed better than that. Or even in the sequel sequel movies where we have Luke and Leia sort like lightsaber fighting. I feel like right. Grand Moff Tarkin and Leia in this movie. Yeah. I did notice particularly with Leia too, that it, I felt like it looked good this time around looking at it, looking for that, you know, not yes. just having the shock factor initially, we wouldn't pay much attention in the theater or whatever, you know, being able to actually look at it. Yeah. I, I felt like it was definitely better than other stuff that I'm seeing even now, you know, however many, you know, years later. And the acting in it is so good. And the voice actor who plays Grand Moff Tarkin is so good. Right. That it doesn't even matter. We get this callous, thin, like he looks just like him from the from the movies. And we get like the whole, we get this inner, inner like agency politics going on between Director Krennic, who's been obviously running this program from the ground up, mm-hmm. you know, and we get the more seized in Moff Tarkin, who is, you know, trying to like, he, he either is going to take credit for it if it's good and he's going to destroy it if it's bad. Right. You know, the buck stops with him and he's going to, he's going to wind up on the best end of it. Obviously a very high rank in the empire and he wants to, you know, keep that and, you know, get as high as possible, you know, keep that, uh, prestige with him. Yes. Yeah. It, It is so... Oh, man. I mean, because obviously when you've got, you know, the people that are above you are Lord Vader and the Emperor. Yeah, exactly. Like, you want to do whatever you can to get in their good graces. Yep. Because, I mean, as we know, Vader has no patience. No. For anybody, you know, trying to, you know, be squirrely or weird in any way. I mean, we witnessed that later. Oh, yes. Which was the line, you know, later. we'll get to that. So, yeah, we get the scene, you know, when we when we talk about visuals overall, I feel like because we I think they knew it and they didn't try to get them doing any action. Like they didn't get Graham off Tarkin doing anything, but it was like slowly walking around. Simple movement, simple, simple animation and stuff. Simple, so it wouldn't take much. Exactly. Whereas now I would I would rather, you know, like me, this is me hating on Mandalorian a little bit. I would rather the I would rather have him CGI doing the movements than this silly little like we like walking that we get out of Grogu in the Mandalorian. Right. And saying like, and as far as like modern animation outside of something, you know, maybe like avatar, you know, that's like an, un, a stupid amount of money put into it kind of thing. Like outside of like high movement animation and something like that, even now days, some of the CGI that's out there just doesn't, if it's a very active thing, it's, it's hard to keep it, Believable. I remember the first time I watched it. You've you mentioned uh, it, was, it with Jurassic Park and stuff. Yeah, you yes. know, you mentioned that in the previous episode that yeah, like that it's it's tough to watch sometimes. And, and honestly, that's why because for some reason when I watched it, I was like, okay, here comes Grandma Tarkin. It's going to look a little silly. And I watch it, and I'm like, this looks great. Honestly, this it's fine. This looks fine. Yeah, it, it's it's fine for the the short amount of time he's there. Like it's yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and we he has the same exact voice as we expect. He's just as scary. He's just as short. You know, he yeah. is just as mean. And uh, he's kind of got like a, for my Game of Thrones fans, um, he's kind of got this Tywin Lannister to him where he's this cold, calculating, 
you know, clever guy. I wonder if, if there will be a time where in, you know, it's some, if there's some anniversary, you know, five, 10 year anniversary of this movie that, you know, as technology becomes even more, you know, easily accessed and uh, worked with that they would could go back and just update graphics on something like that and they release, to, yeah. release a new version. Yeah. Because I mean, I guess they did re-releases of the old star Wars movies. They have, yeah. you know, and edited them and stuff. So I don't really see why they couldn't just come out with yeah, a 10 year anniversary of rogue one where they just go back and further even update it with modern technology to make it look even more real. Mm-hmm. You know, all the developments in AI now, you know, and deep fakes and all that stuff, they could probably, uh, even, even now, you know, however many years later, they probably make that look even more believable. Well, with what you said with deep fakes is kind of what we got with the, we got with Luke and Leia in the sequels. And, and that, then we that, got that, with Luke and the Mandalorian. They were like, kind of, they were like worse. Early deep fake technology. Yeah kind of thing. So yeah, give it another five years or so and you won't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. I would, I wish that those movies had done this instead. Right. I, th- I think that would have been better. Yeah. With this, as opposed to using just early, that's what the problem is. They were using early new technology mm-hmm. before it was really finely tuned for a media production of some kind. He looks better than Supreme Leader Snoke does. I think by far. I would agree with that. I think by far he looks better. I think Leia is probably pretty good too. Compared yeah. to like Supreme Leader Snoke, who was in like what two of the sequel movies? Right. He so, did not. He did not look believable at all. And no. like it went to a cartoon. It did get a little cartoony. This one, I think the filter, like it had the right the right cinema filter on it, and we're looking at it, and then his acting instantly takes us away from saying anything else. Like it kind of takes us out of it because the voice actor nails that cold, callous dude. Right. So they are, you know. Suggest that, you know, there should be a test of the weapon mm-hmm. and whatnot. And from there, we go back down to Jeddah. And the ship has landed. They decide K2SO shouldn't come with them. And we see Jen and Cassian getting together. And <clears throat> right. And there, there's currently a Star Destroyer hovering over top of Jeddah, looming over it, scary. Like as big as the city, the yes. whole thing. Like the city, Jeddah is like up on this plateau, you know, this mountain plateau kind of thing that's flattened out. And so this thing is just hovering, you know, however many, you know, maybe a thousand feet above it. Mm-hmm. Not super far, just like so ominous. And there's like TIE fighters and little cargo ships and stuff flying around. And, you know, they're kind of viewing it from their binoculars and mention like, what are they taking down there or something? And then uh, Cassian's like, what are they Taking, like, out. taking out yes which you know obviously you talk about there's the kyber crystals from mm-hmm. the temple yep and that's you know what they're using to fuel this weapon which is a pretty big deal like what power lightsabers is powering this death star yeah this planet killer and then we get the um little 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 tidbit we get here from the andor series Cassian has his cool blue jacket on his parka thing on, you know, Jen's got her little outfit on, but on the, on the parka of Cassian, we see a bound tome that was never pointed out before. And until you watch the indoor series, you find that it's the manifesto that he was given in an Andor series by one of his teammates. And that kind of was one of the, the, by one of the people in Andor who kind of the things in that manifesto 
were so inflammatory that it led a lot of the rebellion to becoming more of a thing. Interesting. So they tied that back in because in the Andor series, he gets that exact book. So you see it, it's like wrapped with like leather is bound and it's wrapped and it's placed on his chest. Okay. And then later on, but when we go back to Andor, we, we get, when we get that in episode four or five, get some explanation on what it is. We get it from him and we get to hear the manifesto. We get this like very inflammatory thing where the, where he, uh, forgot what the kid's name is, but he's talking about, he's a very eloquent, like a very good writer. He writes this whole thing, this, you know, essentially rebel manifesto. And it's the spark that kind of gets a lot of things going. That's cool. So then we get them inside Jedi. We get to see that we kind of get this kind of bizarre, like, you know, not bizarre as in B I Z A R E. We kind of get this like middle Eastern bizarre as in marketplace. market. Yeah. They're walking through the streets and stuff. There's a, a lot of, you know, empire, out and about, you know, interrogating people, asking them for ID mm-hmm. and stuff. Very, you know, yeah, very, you know, checking the credentials. Jackboot, you know, Imperials are. Can tell they're looking for stuff. Yes. And they're looking for the rebel pilot. We hear some of that, or sorry, the, the Imperial pilot. We hear that they're offering like 600 credits to the Imperial pilot. If somebody can lead, you know, have information where this Imperial pilot has gone to, this uh, cargo pilot. Right. And speaking of that pilot, we get a small scene of Saw, of, of him kind of. Uh, with a hood over his head, you know, his saws, uh, what'd you call them? His, his group of guys. Partisans, you know, like, right. they're, they're, you know, rebels, partisans. Yeah, just kind of his little, uh, you know, group that he sends out to do stuff. Bring him in there and he's still, you know, saying, I want to talk to Saw. And they kneel him down and he's like, you know, making a fuss. And then they pull the hood off and there's Saw looking at him. He's like, oh, you know, you're him. Mm-hmm. And he tells him about it and they pull out this, uh, one of his main dudes hands him this little chip he says they found it in his boot or something. He's like, I didn't, you didn't, like, I didn't it. find it. I gave it to them. Yeah. You know, they're trying to imply like, yeah, we, you know, captured this, you know, Imperial pilot and we've, you know, searched him for all this stuff. But he's like, no, I came willingly. Like, I want to talk to you guys. I have this information. But obviously, you know, Saul doesn't quite believe him. So he has a solution to try and believe him to figure out if he's telling the truth. And the solution is Boogly or whatever, <laughs> Borgullet or whatever he says. It's hard yeah. to understand Forrest Whitaker when he says it, you know, because he's kind of yeah. got this voice to it. Then we get to see this giant octopus. Yeah, Borgullet. We get to see this giant octopus giant mind reader thing come yeah. in and we know what's about to happen, that he's about to use the force to figure out what's going on. And I'll say this saw like, you know, for those who haven't seen rebels or bad batch, or I think he was, like I said, I think he was in clone wars and he's definitely in Andor as well. Um, you know, here saw at the kind of like at the end of his rope, he's more machine than he is person. You know, his legs are, you know, he's more got a machine man now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's covered up in like, he's got, he's got like an a, robotic I, arm, I guess like an oxygenator or some kind of like yeah, oxygen to breathe in. Yeah. He's got his little thing on his chest that he kind yeah. of pulls out and has to breathe into. And, and for those that aren't familiar with him, he's kind of like, He's like the ultimate kind of bad dude who's also kind of a good dude. He is like chaotic evil almost. Mm. But well, he's so he's a he's essentially a terrorist. Oh geez. And they just they they portray him as that. Like he always goes too extreme with it. He always goes too far. An extremist. He, he's very much an extremist. Very like so. 
you know, there's a lot of infighting in the Rebel Alliance, and he's kind of on the outlier side. Okay. And he's kind of looked down upon because they are the most violent sect of the Rebel Alliance. Right. So, yeah, the squid, you know, suctions all up the uh, pilot dude and sucks his memories out to figure out if he's telling the truth or not. And from there, back to the streets. Back to the streets of Jeddah. Jeddah. Where uh, Cassian, Jen are walking around again. They, you know, happen to pass this group of guys sitting on some steps. And Jen's like, who are those guys? You well, because the one, the one of the guys is obviously blind. He calls her over there. And oh, he's right. Like, yeah. Like, says something like. Your necklace. Your he necklace. points out that she's got a necklace. He says like this, the strongest stars are forged of Kyber or whatever. Yeah. And like he could, she's like, how do you know? Cause she can tell he's blind, blind or blind. And yeah. Cassie and Pulsar's like, we're not here to make friends. Let's go. You know, like mission. Yeah. Cassian is a very mission first mission oriented guy. And so yeah. he's pulling him back out. So she asks, you know, who are those guys? He says, you know, those are the guardians of the wills The they protect, you know, they, they used to protect the temple when it was still around, but obviously the temple's kind of been taken over and, you know, uh, ransacked for any Kuiper crystals and stuff for the empire. So they're just kind of out on the streets, you know, according to Cassie and just causing trouble for people. And so it's not long, like after they leave that position that they move to, um, move a little further. And I think Cassie and picks on it up on it pretty quick. We see a, um, we see an Imperial, not tank, but it's like a Imperial armored vehicle. Yeah. And we see, and this is one of the things I like that they do. They didn't, didn't just make it a stormtrooper. You know, he's got a different type of helmet on. Like he's definitely part, like mm. he's an armored crewman, not a stormtrooper. Yeah. And so being flanked with some stormtroopers and they are moving a large cache of Kyber crystals through the city. And Cassian picks up on it pretty quick, I think, that they are about to be in the middle of an ambush. He sees, he sees the things going guys on. on the rooftops, guys in alleyways, you know, being suspicious. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can tell the rebels are about to attack these guys. So then we get one of our kind of our first action, like major action scenes where yeah. we got multiple shots being fired. We get the action scene and on Jetta in the bazaar and... You know, uh, there's like the point where like the girl is cr- like the little baby girl is crying and, and Jin rushes out under gunfire and she shoots one yeah. or two guys and she gets the kid back. And then as she's moving, one of the alliance or one of these uh, Guerrera partisans throws a grenade or is about to throw a, a thermal detonator. Yeah, because she's hiding behind the tank and then they, they throw it at the tank basically right where she's at. So Cassian shoots that guy. And he drops. So he shoots one of the uh, one of the partisans and yeah. drops. That grenade goes off and kills like four or five more partisans. And so you can kind of get that Cassian's like a very calculated dude, and he's going to do like what he needs to do to survive. And um, I think even the armored vehicle even turns, and it, you know, it, it boom sends a big huge blast out and blows up. Like it blows the up t- a whole building. Blows up like half the building. Up through the building and stuff. Yeah, yeah. which is hot. I love that they yeah, did that. That was cool. And they managed to escape the fighting uh, momentarily. And there's like a crash ship and there's a bunch of uh, inside the city. There's like almost like an X-wing or something like that's crashed through some buildings or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And we see, you know, maybe a squad plus of stormtroopers. And, you know, we get K2. So K2SO also showed up in that gunfight and they're like, 
You know? Right, and to, to clarify, KTS, K2SO is also a reprogrammed Im- Empire droid. Imperial, yeah. Droid. So he has like all the insignia still on him of the Empire. So, you know, just by looking at him, yeah, it looks just like any other Imperial droid. And so as they're moving through with him flanking them, you know, they're the troopers like where are you taking these these prisoners he's like these are prisoners and they're like yes yeah where are you taking them i'm going to imprison them in prison in the prison (laughs) and they're like we'll take it from here he's like no that's okay and like cassian starts to talk and and he just smacks him he's like there's a fresh one in that for you if you say something again and it's just kind of it's just hilarious snarkiness isn't great and um (laughs) so uh the then we get your boy Donnie in, yeah. So coming in, yeah, he uh, comes in and uh, I forget what it was that he uh, was saying. Let but, them go. Let them pass in peace. Oh yeah, let them pass in peace. They're just like you know, leave the area mm-hmm. kind of thing that they're trying to get him to go out and whatnot. Um, He's got his quarter staff in hand. Yeah. And we see him going out there and we see the troopers have now targeted him. And this is kind of like a silly writing scene. They're like, why does he do? And, you know, we get this kind of like more Marvel-esque writing with it, you know, where people aren't really acting like we Cassian's like a very like Cassian's um, would have shot Greedo before he even right. got to the table. Right. If right. Were, like Cassian's a shoot like Cassian probably would have shot Han Solo. <laughs> you know, like he's he's good at it. Um, and we see them going into it and um Donnie Yen, who his character is Nate called Sherat Mway, which is another issue I have because I don't know that they ever really um at until the very end we really hear his name much. He's never really introduced that much. Yeah. And his friend who is played by let's see here um Baze. So that's Baze Malbus who's played by Zhang Wen. Right. Zhang. Yep. So there's Zhang Wen. We, we only hear him referred to as Baze Malbus like once or twice. It, so it, it is kind of hard to like name those characters. I feel like that was an issue in the writing that kind of let us down a little bit. I think they could have done it a little bit better. Um, so we get Donnie Yen's character. He faces off. We can tell that he almost has some type of force empowered abilities, yeah, but he, he, could, is, he could tell he's connected to yes. the force. You know, I, you know what was he say? I am one with the force. The force is with me. Yes. Yeah. He, that's his mantra that he repeats to himself. And yeah, he just goes full ninja and just messes up these stormtroopers. Yes. Yeah. He hitting them. He's yeah. like holding, he, like he channels these inner Neo and goes crazy on them. At one point he's got like a guy, he's got his quarter staff hooked into like a dude's helmet and is like just using him like a puppet to take stormtrooper blasts. Yeah. And, um, that was, obviously beautiful as well. I loved watching like that part of it. Like the, everything that he did was great. And then we get the second squadron of stormtroopers coming in after he's already beat all these dudes up with his quarter staff. And then we get Bayes Malbus coming in yeah. with his heavy gun with his like and just, chain gun, like yes. belt fed repeater yes. blaster. <laughs> yes. And just, and just all of them blast down. And, and Don, you know, Donnie Yen's character is yeah. just like, you could have shot me, you know? And, yeah. and Bayes Malbus is like, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. And then we get another one of my favorite lines, because then Saw Guerrero's partisans have now been attracted to them because the lieutenant really, he saw Cassian Andor shoot, shoot one of their, their partisans. Yeah. And he was like, oh, who's this dude? 
And so then they decide to take them captive. And Jenner so lets out that she knows who Saw Gerrera is. And they, they blindfold or they put hoods over all of them, including Donnie Yen's character, who is blind. And he's like, yeah, are you yeah. kidding like, me? Kidding? I'm blind. Uh, I'm blind. <laughs> but yeah, she mentions, you know, that she's, uh, uh, what's his name's daughter? Galen. Ga- she, yeah, she mentions it's Galen's daughter. And so to which they're like, take them. Yes. Yeah, and then they put the bags on them. And, and before this, they had sent K2SO away. As soon as the, after the yeah, fight K- happened, yeah. K- they're like, K2SO, go, go back, back to the, to the ship. ship. Yeah. yeah, go back to the ship. And luckily they did that. Yeah, good thing they did that. So then we see them taken to the the stronghold. We see Bodhi Rook, who is the Imperial pilot in a jail cell. We see Cassie and Andor, who's in a jail cell with the with Donnie Yen's character and Zhang Wen's character, Baze Malbus. And... Um, uh, Jen gets taken to Saw Gerrera. Saw to meet with him. Now, this is one continuity error that I would like to bring up for Andor, and this just could be because he was saying it, and I think it was intended as like a snarky thing because they say to like, um, one of the guys says that they're not happy about being in the jail cell, and then Andor says, "This is my first time," which we know if we've watched Andor, that's definitely not true. Right. He's definitely been did, in prison. Did he say it's not his first time? Yeah. I thought he said it's not my first time. Or it is his first time, is what I'm saying. I thought he said it's not my first time. Oh, maybe he did. Well, if he did, he's that was good. Which then. is why he was able to lockpick out of there. Yeah. So he lockpicks and gets out or whatever at the later on. Yeah. Uh we see Yeah, so Jen meets with with Saul. They, you know, he kind of like, Oh, you're you know, you're alive and all this stuff. And she's like, You abandoned me. Yeah. You know, you you left me. With a blaster when I was 16. He's like, you're one of my best soldiers. And then we get some more credence into like what what her abilities are from him. At the same time, running concurrently, we're also getting the scene on the Death Star where Mm. the the Star Destroyer is leaving. You know, it's already left. And the Death Star is now in orbit. And And they're talking about testing it. They're going to make an example of Jetta City with the Death Star. Then, you know, back to... Saw and Jen, you know, he ends up playing. He has this message from the pilot of her dad, of of Galen, and shows it to Jen. You know, which she's obviously tearing up and, and like getting to see her dad again. And he's like talking about, you know, not sure if you're even alive or not, and all this stuff. But he he mentions that, you know, he's sorry for what he's done, and he's just trying to make up for it by he placed a trap you know, so deeply embedded in the Death Star that they would never find it. Yep. Down in the reactor core that, you know, well-placed explosion when the reactor core would destroy the whole thing, which, you know, back, you know, back before this, you know, that's one of the things I always thought like, well, that was real convenient that, you know, back in the, you know, back in the day that Luke, you know, if you shoot in this one hole, the whole thing blows up. Mm-hmm. Like, And I was remember thinking like as a kid, I was like, why is that? Like, you just happen to shoot the one hole and everything blows up. That seems like a pretty big flaw that they would know about. Yeah. So this kind of fills in that. It uh, does. That plot hole of like, like, Oh, and it's not uncommon. You know, when there were like Jewish prisoners in world war two or Soviet prisoners in world war two, who were first to work in like ammo depots and that kind of thing. It wasn't uncommon for them to sabotage ammunition. So that couldn't be fired by the Nazis. Mm. And so I think this was like interesting way of him. Like also like he was technically imprisoned for better or worse in his work that he had to do with them. And as part of that, like him being able to sabotage 
essentially his own, not his own creation because we see the plans for it. Um, in attack of the clones on Geonosis, we see them actually, we see the death star and what it looks like. Oh yeah. But he definitely seems to be like the person that's been able to make it happen. Right. Because in the clone wars, all the Geonosians are wiped out and by the, Kind of like by the by the separatists as like yeah. in like a mass genocide. Yeah. So yeah, she gets that message, and you know she has the message now. Um, and I guess at that point is is that that's when they test the. Uh... Well, she's still talking to him, and it interposed oh, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah is they're, when, they're mid conversation. Is, is mid conversation is is when we get the the scene on the Death Star where between Moff Tarkin and Director Kranick. And we see the single, you know, like single initial, you know, single reactor ignition. Yeah, it's going to be destroy a, the whole planet. Just a small example test. And they boom, blast it. The scene, like the the visuals God, of that scene. I, 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 I even thought, like, I thought it the first time, and I reminded again this time that, like, the visualizations in that was just like because I love the like the epic scale of yes that stuff, like seeing that. Like in the, di- in the, like the, like Saul's looking at it, he goes up to the window and sees it and they just show this. Yeah. It's, it's like far away, but it's just this mushroom cloud just slowly. And there's just this glow and you're like, Oh, and the earth is just ripping itself apart. And you can and see the shockwave coming towards them through the valley. Yes. And spreading out. And you just know that like, Oh, this, this is going to be, this is it. This is bad. Yeah. This is like an apocalyptic situation. <laughs> yeah. We find there's no horizon. And then, you know, at that point, our guys are making their escape. We see some of the other partisans making their escape. They get her, you know, the, everything's shaking. And then we kind of lose the hologram of Galen Urso. And then we get the very clutch, you know, escape scene with yeah, K2SO. Like, K2SO. Come and get us. So he flies the, is it U-Wing? It's a U-Wing. He flies yeah. a U-Wing in and then uh, to just pick him up, obviously, in the nick of time. And then they hop into the U-Wing and they even still, cause like the earth is almost turning into like a, a wave. Uh, yeah. Like uh, yeah, a, a wave in the ocean. That's just, you know, on a scale that darkens the sky that blot yeah. out the sun. The sun's gone. Know? And they, they punch it, you know, K, you know, Cassian. K- K2 goes says to, like, I haven't plotted my course yet. I don't have the, you know, the telemetry or whatever. He's like, I'll plot it for you. He's like, I'll make the calculations for <laughs> yeah. you. Sends it. And then we see Saw Guerrera and, we see the end of his life. We see him. Yeah. He goes outside. He takes off his little oxygen thing. He's got his yeah. metal leg and yeah. he just holds his arms out wide and he embraces the whole, the his whole mountain just gets eaten by the earth. Yes. And I think, um, then we see zooming out. We see like the, the, the view of the city being destroyed from the death star. Yeah. Just and, the, the, the blast down on the planet yeah. and the shockwave going out. Yeah, and we can even see like in space it shows it, and it's like so. It's such. It's like some Dragon Ball Z stuff of like the like planet, like when it shows the planet and you see the how big the explosion is. The 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 debris is floating into space, almost hitting the Death Star. It's so close, which was absolutely wild to me when I when I saw it for the first time. And every time I watch it, I'm like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. It, it was gorgeous, good. gorgeous, gorgeous visuals on that team's part. Agreed. They did a really good uh, job with that. So then we find out that he's Galen's on Edu. Edu, yes. And the decision is made. Um, I think is it in transit? Are they in transit? Yeah, for, they, or they, they, they they're, they're just in home? space. No, they're just in That's space right. flying. 
they get they're in space flying and he he rings up the alliance and then they decide to make the decision to go to Edu. Yeah. Which is this like super stormy, wild planet. And that's where yeah. Bodhi Rook, the Imperial pilot who also has escaped, was stationed at. So he was familiar yeah. with everything. There. And Edu it has on it is there there's a kyber crystal refinery. That's right. On there. And that's where Galen Urso's like essential where laboratory yeah, was. Where he was stationed and working. And because they find out that the, the Imperial pilot was from Edu, that's where Galen Urso was, Kranich is kind of directed to go there as well. Right. They know something's going on there, so they're going to go there to uh, find Galen so as well. the Ewing comes in. It comes in hot. Crash lands. Mm-hmm. Not good. You know, no. engines busted. Raining heavily. And they're obviously going to have to find another ship to get out of there. Yes. Because it's beyond repair at and the moment. Cassian goes out with Bodhi and he's got his weapon in its sniper configuration. Right. And he's going out to look and to quote unquote, look the quote unquote look. And then we get another thing. We get this kind of like, uh, this insight by Donnie Yen's character mm-hmm. where you can tell he's, he's connected with the force. He mentions that, you know, a dark cloud follows those who are about to kill. He says, yeah, he says, you know, does he look like a killer? And then mm-hmm. the Baze is like, he he has the face of a friend or something like yeah. that. And he's like, the dark, you know, the, the force always moves darkly around somebody that's about to kill someone. And Cassian is definitely a killer. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a killer. And we see him go out and Jin also goes out. And at the same time as all this is going on, um, Back on Yavin 4, they've not been able to get in touch with the team. Yeah, with our small group that's went off. So they scramble fighters for an attack strike, like a strike mission yeah. on Edu. Also, Director Kranich happens to be there. Everybody's converging on Everybody's one point. Everybody's there at one time. And as he comes in, um, we get the scene on the platform where Director Krennic's just playing with him. He knows yeah. that Galen's the he, guy he, that he tells him, yeah, like bring forth your, this, all your scientists, you know, that are helping you do this and mm-hmm. lines the scientists up. You know, one of you has betrayed the empire, you know, step forward, you know, all the scientists are these all, all these old dudes like looking at each other like, uh, I don't know what you're, what, what is he talking about? They're all clueless, obviously, and obviously innocent and stuff. Meanwhile, Galen's like off to the side, like, Ugh. yeah. And then it's not until he threatens to kill all of them that uh, Galen steps forward and is just like, it was me. It was me. At the same time, we see Cassian struggling with his internal thing of killing Jyn Erso's dad. He's got he's him like, in his crosshairs. He could take the shot, but he doesn't. He does not. And then we see Jin is also, she's going to go on a little climbing spree. It's know? like the tallest ladder in existence. Yeah. Like, if you've seen a tall ladder, this one's a hundred times taller. Yeah. She <laughs> it goes, goes forever. She goes straight on Ray, like, you know, from like the, the sequels. She's just like, she's doing her little climbing. Yeah. And then here comes the ships and we get the Y-wing bomb. Yeah. The X-wings come in, lighten the platform up. And then we get the Y-wing dropping an ion torpedo or blast, you yeah. know, whatever kind of plasma blast. Blasts a hole in the platform, you know, kills some people and stuff, you know, greatly maims uh, Galen. Yep. And then we get the, uh, the, the, the decent action scene. Now we've got it. So there's so many action scenes throughout this whole movie, which make it so good. Mm-hmm. We get the, the great interplanetary, like tie fighter versus X wings. We see, mm-hmm. uh, Donnie Yen's character oh, yeah. has that was, that was a, an awesome scene that, yeah, there's tie fighters chasing some X wings and he just kind of like, 
you know, his like feeling out the force and stuff. And then with like a flick of his bow staff, it like opens up into like almost like a giant bowcaster kind it of is thing. A, yeah, it's essentially a giant bowcaster. Yeah. And then just with that, it, it like, that's like a powerful dang blast out of that. Yeah. That can, it's like a little cannon and just mm-hmm. shoots that and takes down a freaking TIE fighter. Yep. TIE fighter gets hit, goes down that, but even cooler is as he does it, he does it in such a manner where the TIE fighter hits one of the turbo cannons. That's also, yeah, he times it perfectly. Yes. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, beautiful fight scene. Jen gets to, you know, director Krennic rushes away. Jen gets to the platform. She gets to see her dad. Her, she gets to hold her dad in her arms as he dies. Yeah. And meanwhile, the rest of the crew has gotten an Imperial, another Imperial shuttle. Yeah. Like a little shuttle and ship. they make their escape and Edu really cool. It, we go to a, a bunch of planets in this movie. Right. And they do well on every single planet, making it feel unique. And Edu is especially unique. Yeah. It feels like a dry Camino, kind of, sort of. You know, like it feels like a Camino with less oceans. Right. And speaking of more planets. <laughs> let's go to Mustafar. We've been there before. Yeah, that's where the high ground stands. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that is where the high ground is. Um, and which, you know, if you know anything about Star Wars, like you see Mustafar and you're like, oh, I, yes. I know what this is about. Even like, you know, first time seeing it, you see it and you're like, yep. I, yep. I can already tell where this is going. And then you see the like Lord of the Rings esque, you know, Isengard Tower. Sauron. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. That was one of my favorite set pieces on this magma filled lava, you know, volcano planet. Mm-hmm. There's fire everywhere. There's just this emboding, dark, evil building. And that's where we find. Uh, yeah. So Critic oh, is there. Director And Krennic. he's just kind of standing there patiently waiting for. You know who? Lord Vader. Lord Vader. He's in his little back to tank tank chamber. Flanked by some Imperial guards, which I thought was very unique. And I know when, 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 when when they first showed the trailer of that, you saw the back to tank and you saw the Imperial guards. And there was a lot of questions over who that was going to be in the movie Mm. back when the trailer came out. Okay. So then we see, yeah, we see just two of those Imperial guards in there with their, with their, with their vibro pikes or whatever they are. Right. And they are standing guard. And then we get to see director Krennic and we get to see Darth Vader for the first time. Yeah. The, like we see Krennic and then like the door, you hear the door open up by kind of behind camera and you see on the wall, the big shadow as the door raises up, you just see the outline shadow of Vader and you're like, Oh snap. They made him so ominous in this movie. Oh yeah. They made him so ominous, which is awesome, which is very awesome. And so we get this whole conversation between him and yeah. he's like, you better not be failing us. And yeah. And critics like, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. We, we showed the power and the demonstration and all this. And he's like, no, according that. to the Senate, what the Senate knows is that it was a mining disaster that destroyed, right. destroyed Jetta. And, you know, Krennic gets this kind of like, cause he thinks Moff Tarkin has taken the responsibility and yeah. is now is in control of the Death Star. And instead. Yeah, so he's like, am I still in charge? Am I still in command of this? As Vader's like walking away after their conversation. And mm-hmm. then you just get the little like twinge of the. Uh, 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 the force, you see, you the see sound. Him, yeah. Fill inside of his, his shirt, you know, collar. Like, and you're like, is he getting choked? Mm-hmm. This dude's getting choked out. And then to the point where he starts like struggling, falls down to his knees on the ground, like really struggling. And then you see Vader just ever so slightly turn around with his one hand, just a little bit like crimped up. 
You're like, don't choke on your aspirations. That's right. And I'm like, oh, dude. Yep. <laughs> like it, the littlest bit of effort yes. for Vader. And that's again why I'd like to put you back in your place. Yes. He you is, are in the grand so scheme scary. of things, you are nothing. Yeah. To Vader, you are this. Yeah. He is, they make him out to be such a bad boy. Yeah, because he is. He's freaking Vader. Yeah, and just with the littlest of a flick of his wrist, he can just kill you mm-hmm. with nothing. You're like, oh, just that demonstration of power is, was an, I loved that little scene. It was just the littlest bit, but it was awesome. So once the team makes it back to Yavin 4, so yeah, they make the, Yeah, they make their escape from Edu. They go back to Yavin. They have that uh, council meeting. Mm-hmm. with all the different uh, leaders of the council and Mon Mothma and all those people, and they're all debating, you know, there's like, you know, pro-war people, kill them all, like no war people, we can't do that, we're, there's no hope, we're lost. Yeah. A lot of debating going on on what to do. And, yeah, and we see Mon Mothma, she's kind of like the de facto leader, we see the generals who call them the military strike, we see that, you know, um, Jin's not super happy about them killing her father, but she's also involved in the conversation. And, um, she's trying to convince everybody that this is something doable, that they can do this because we've learned in also that the plans for the death star where this was going to be oh, right. Yeah. Restored in on Scarif. Right. Which you want to hear a funny thing about Scarif. So, uh, the guy, the, our, our director's first name of this movie was, is Gareth. Is it really? Mm-hmm. And so what happened was he, he came up with the name for that because he um, went to a coffee shop and gave the name Gareth, Gareth, and the person wrote down Scarif. Oh. So that's where he came up with the name for Scarif. Was well, from- if we need a name for anything, let's just go to Starbucks, give our <laughs> name, but say, my name is John, but write it funky. Write <laughs> it funny, yeah. And just just because yeah. just change it a little bit <laughs> starbucks baristas are the new chat gpt <laughs> <laughs> just tell them something like uh, quietly right so um the you know the, everybody seems to be like the, the alliance is kind of falling apart and saved it's also important to know like for the last few years and we find this out in the in the andor series the alliance like the rebels like there's been this rebellion growing for a while and the organization is big they've gotten this fleet together obviously but even in rebels and some of the other things, like there's been stuff happening this whole time. There's been military actions. Cassian is a captain Mm -hmm. and we find out in just a few moments that he has done terrible things for the rebellion. He's killed people. There's lots of other people with him that they're they're all these hard nosed dudes, essentially these rebel commandos kind of sort of right. They've, you know, they've been given jobs and they've done them. Yes. You know, those, some of those jobs were not, you know, good things to do. Assassins, saboteurs, you know, spies, he says. Yeah. So, um, with the rebellion, like everybody kind of falling apart, nothing's really decided. And so they all meet Jen outside. And that's when they tell her this. That's when Cassian says, we've done all these terrible things. Let's go do it. And I think Cassian is so resolved to do it just because all of this hat, like if, if, if it, we don't stop this thing. Everything we've done was for not like yeah. we're going to give up now just because they have this. Like that's the whole point. That's why we are here in the first place. Rebellions are built on hope. That's right. And we get them in the, in the Ewing. They, yeah, you know, so get, they, they get their crew together and they hop in this thing. Oh, in the shuttle, the shuttle. the shuttle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, what's, what's the robot? K2SO. K2SO. He says like, uh, it'll be <laughs> cramped, but, 
Or was he? No, no there's the Bodie, pilot. Bodie said yeah, Bodie said that. Yeah, it'll be cramped, but you know, we get all fit. Yeah. So yeah, they help. K two so is like, I'm coming with you, Jen. And he's <laughs> and she's like, oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Cassian says Cassian I have said I had to. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Well, you're a robot. So then we find out that that you know we get this kind of like converging thing where everybody, director Kranick and Jen. Essentially, since the beginning of the movie, they're ta- they're they're they keep getting intertwined. Like they're on each other's heels a lot. They are on each other's heels a lot because he is going to Scarif now to secure any of the data. Um, I think he is down there, and he comes after them. He comes after. He comes after them. So we get the cool. We get to see Scarif. We get to see a planet wide shield. With like Wish he had that planet shield with the uh this single like, opening this port dock thing where you have to like get clearance, and that's the only way to get in through this shield is this one little opening. So cool. Yeah. Very beautiful. There was like two star destroyers is like providing cover. You've yeah. got this kind of fortress built into it and the, you know, well, let's go back just a second. Cause we get the, like they take off in it and that's where we get the title for rogue one is that's their call sign that they give. Or, or Oh yeah. Cause like the yeah, other taken off out of the thing and they're like, you're not cleared for takeoff. You know, like, who are you? What who is are this? you? And she's like, like, say something, say something, say something. Yeah, and I wish they would have done a little bit better with the writing with that, but the Rogue One, that was the, like, yeah, I like that. You it had was, to throw it in somewhere. You had to throw it. No, I like that's the reason why they did it. Yeah. I just think, like, the acting at that point was, like, a little rushed. I feel like it was, like, a third or fourth take. Right. Maybe. So, anyways, yeah, we get to Scarif. We get to see the planet. It's, like, this cool beach planet. Go down there. Um, and, and they're, like, trying to get, you know, it's convenient they have an Imperial pilot who mm-hmm. knows, you know, what to say to how to get clearance through things. He's done this before. And he's got the clearance codes, too. Yeah. To transmit from so, Edu base. Yeah. So there's this tense moment and they're like, did it work? Did we get through? And they're like, you're cleared for landing. And they're like, oh, thank God. And so, yeah, they're able to uh, skim through the entrance there and make it down to the planet. Beautiful planet. Be- like, all once again, I don't feel like I'm on Earth. It's a completely oh, yeah. different place. It, beautiful. Yeah. Love the way it looks. The boarding crew comes on board. They're quickly overtaken. And yeah. we've got... You see this like huge tower that is obviously like used for data transmission. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the point of this base is it stores... It's a library of data and they have this huge tower to transmit it to anywhere they need to. And then the rebel commandos take off and they are now... like They have a few like hand-to-hand combat scenes and then they take off and they are starting to set charges at yeah, all these landing planes. detonator charges all scattered all throughout the beach area to use as a distraction yeah and at this point cassian and jen are disguised cassian's disguised as a rebel officer jen is disguised as like a, a rebel or sorry an imperial um like landing crew person yeah and then we've got k2so just being k2so Be himself yeah which is there's there's nobody else that he should be k2so is just the best and um you know you get them and they're going through all these places and it gets to a point where they're like, man, we're not going to be able to get, you know, you see K2SO cannibalizing another K unit with these guys, little wrist thing in, mm-hmm. in the back of his head. And he's taking in all the information. He's like, you know, our best route's going to take us past 69, uh, stormtroopers. Right. And we have, our success rate is very low. Yeah. We have like a 20% chance of success or some kind of something. Meanwhile, director Kranich has now landed. Yeah. And is there, and he is just being he's a, bossy. Yeah. He's asking like, you know, the original plans are stored here. Like, pull them up, all of them. And they're I like, need, yeah. Right now? He's like, yes, get them now. Yeah, I need to see every message that, that Galen Urso ever sent. You know, like this, obviously, this data center. And it's not long into that that everything starts explode, exploding. And we get to one of my favorite lines from 
Cranick is like, are we blind? Deploy right. the garrison. Get, deploy the garrison. Get the garrison out. Because everybody's just kind of like, whoa. Ooh, yeah. ooh. They probably thought it was just like cake job. They're you in know? shock. They're like, when the, like stuff like that never happens at this place. You know, yeah. why is there explosions and things? But Director Cranick's like all about it. Yeah. And that's when we start getting these awesome fight scenes. And I think this is honestly, when I go back and talk about it, or when I look at it, this is one of the... This is the biggest ground battle we get in the Galactic Civil War that we see in person. Mm. Maybe a little bit in the Han Solo story, Min Ban, but we don't really see the fighting that much. We don't really, right. we there, know there's fighting there, but we don't see it. Yeah, there's a lot of like guerrilla fighting. Yes. Guerrilla tactics and stuff, hiding in the bushes and ambushing people and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Because other awesome. than that, it's the Battle of Hoth, right? That's the only two yeah. real ground battles we get in the Galactic Civil War is this mm. and the Battle of Hoth. And it is just neat. We get to see this battle. We get to see the, the beach troopers, which I thought were awesome looking uniforms. Right. Eventually the uh, AT-ATs, the AT-ATs. The AT-ATs, the ATAPs. Yeah, like they come in yeah. and yeah, those are super scary. <laughs> There's like the one alien. And the first time I saw it in theaters, I thought he was just yelling an alien, but he's actually yelling AT-AT, AT-AT. Yeah. And he just, it yeah. just, <laughs> just sounds weird, which I love that. Yeah. Uh, when... The rebels have found out that this is going on. Admiral Raddus, who is the Mon Calamari, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fleet admiral, decides to take the entire fleet out. And so they all jump into Scarif and we get probably one of the best air battles, mm -hmm. one of the best space dogfight scenes from... Yeah, and as, the, Civil War. as they are, the rebels are taken off and stuff, we get a nice little cameo from C-3PO and yeah. R2. R2-D2. Yeah, yeah, so that was a cool little, like, homage to them, throwing them in it, there. And also in the background, we actually hear um, another little rebels thing. So apparently you can see Chopper, who everybody's going to find out about in the Ahsoka series if they're not watched Rebels yet. The live-action Chopper. He's a little robot. Uh, he probably has the highest kill count in Star Wars. He's just an absolute menace. Hmm. Uh, he goes wah, 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 wah. like he's like just he looks like kind of like a C-3PO but he's got like yeah. kind of more of a top like square top head oh and, yeah and then you actually hear over the intercom you hear General Sindula report to briefing room and that's in reference to Harris Sindula who's the, the 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 commander of the the ghost ship which Ezra you know and Sabine Wren and oh. all those rebel characters on and then in the actual battle when the ships jump in we see the ghost the ship from Rebels is one of the ships in the Armada. Really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yep. It's in that one and it's in the sequels. And when they, nice. when they in the last episode. So a little cameo there, which I thought was pretty neat. I, I like think how they do that. I do like how they do that. And it wasn't super in your face either. Right. So then we get probably arguably like one of the best, um, probably the best combat scenes of the Galactic Civil War by, by a long stretch in the, in the space and on the ground. Right. And we get the, like, um, are you aware that when they did this, when they filmed these, um, what they wanted was the director made them all grow like seventies era mustaches and things. So, oh, nice. So I, that I way, noticed that on the pilots that, and stuff. So that way it would blend in with the people of the day. Yeah. So everything's just fitting together in this movie. We get, you know, we're, they finally get to the scene. We find out that they have to, they have to send the, the shield's the problem. 
and they have like there's no way they're going to get off the planet. They, they found the the data in this like big cylinder thing that's just like a library Giant of information. Vault, yeah, and you got to use these like video game controls to like manipulate really cool. the thing to get down through there. And meanwhile, um. I can't remember if it's freaking robots. K2SO. K2SO. I, I keep, because I have C3PO written on my notes here and I keep looking at that <laughs> and confusing myself. Uh, K2SO, he's outside and, you know, like manipulating like at the, on the communicator and stuff. But then, you know, he sees the stormtroopers coming in. So he shuts the door mm-hmm. to lock them in that room to hold off, to buy them time to hold off the stormtroopers, which he messes them up. Yeah. You know, he ends up getting overtaken and eventually goes down very sad very sad moment to lose k2so very he's the best comic relief character and it's also a very sad death that we get to see because with his last act he he locks the door system down and breaks the console yeah and now they're in there the general you know director kranick is is aware that the power ends up getting shut down so they've got like blast a hole in the window and climb out to manually climb and yank this thing out Mm mm-hmm Meanwhile, on the ground, some of the ships have made it through. Some of the X-Wings have made it through the barrier before it closed. Which, well, to get through the barrier, which I thought was cool, is the fleet admiral guy. No, this is before that. A couple of them made it oh, through. Oh, they made it through before they before closed they the gate. Before they closed it. And so we get this cool, that, so some reinforcements get dropped off. There's that cool little alien guy. The Adat's about to, like, shoot them, and then it just gets blasted from the side. And, yeah, the X-Wings fly by and down on the ground. They're like, yeah! Yeah, like blue leaders there. And yeah. then we get the, the cool little U-Wing guy. There's, like, a little tiny... Um, alien you know kind of squat looking alien dude with who's hairy and oh, yeah. it just says when when you watch it with captions on yeah he's like it just says alien screeching <laughs> i remember that because <laughs> he's got like a little he's got that. like a little door gunner and he's he's taking out the legs yeah. of these adats and it's so neat so they drop off more troops we get the we got an air battle going on on scarif we got ground battle going on on scarif another thing i want to draw attention to as well is that we have melshi so Melshi played by, let me look him up real quick again. Uh, so we've got Melshi who is played by Duncan Powell. Oh. So Melshi is, uh, if you guys are Andor friend series people, Melshi is in the Andor series. He is one of the guys from prison with Andor. And it's, you know, when you see him in the Andor series, like, oh, well, I know I'm going to see you later. But it's so interesting just to see their paths cross again and played yeah, by yeah. the same actor. And it's just so That's well cool. done. That's yeah. cool. I like the continuity of that. So, uh, you know, you got the big fight going on. They're trying to figure everything out. Yeah. There's a lot of really tense moments, like where everybody's half, everything's having to go just right. Right. Yeah. They're like climbing up the tower to get the, the things and uh, Andor gets like shot off and like falls off of the tower. You know, while the you know Krennic and the stormtroopers are blasting at them, you mm-hmm. know, and she's able to uh, climb around behind it and get up to the thing and get the data. Now you just got to get up to the top to the tower to transmit it. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a shield like the, the shields have to be down to do yeah, it. Krennic says, you know, you don't ever you won't get it out because the shield you yeah. know, is blocking it. Yeah. And then we get the what the cool one of the coolest things, which is like the Admiral Radis maneuver, which is. The K2SO, he broadcasted them? Or no, no, it was the pilot. It was the pilot because they yeah. have like all this stuff going on the ground where the pilot has, has to, to get, get this connected. Cable. Yeah, that cable. And they have to be able to turn it on to tell them yeah. that's what's going on. And there's a huge fight scene there that's going on. Yeah. And it is it is just epic battle on the beach, battle at the, at the hangars, battle everywhere. 
Yeah. And we're seeing rebels dropping like flies. We see the blue leader who seems to be this prominent character. We see him crash yeah. and they, they focus on that for a second. And when they pull back out, we see the troops running on the beach and to them, they're like, well, it sucks. But like, to me, I was like, ah, oh, I mean, I really want to know more about that blue leader guy, yeah. but it doesn't matter to them. Cause they're like in ground combat yeah. on, you know, they're having a rough time. Um, but they get that message through to the fleet admiral up mm-hmm. there. And he's like, so we got to, we got to take out the shield. That's the message you got. We yep. get, that's the only way they're going to get this message and these plans to us is we got to take out the shield. But he has an awesome idea. Yep. And this is after, this is after they had already done, they had already dropped ion torpedoes on one of the, on one yeah. of the star destroyers and disabled it. This yeah. starship's disabled. You know, that's like one of the, there's a lot of memes about that. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, call me up a hammerhead Corvette. Right. right. And then we see the general, Ad, the Admiral Raddus maneuver where the hammerhead Corvette comes in, does what it's named after basically gets into the, the star destroyer in thrusters on full and crashes the, the derelict, you know, like the now like just kind of, you know, hanging out in space dead, dead in the water, star destroyer into another star destroyer, which then the, the, the huge, like just the pure force of that into into the, the gate for the shield. Into the gate fortress destroys the entire shield. Yeah, the shield drops. And in doing all the stuff that was taken to do that, we actually see the death of Donnie Yen's character mm-hmm. who goes out there. To flip that, to that flip switch. The switch. We see the death of Bodhi. We see the death of Baze Malbus now because, you know, the dark, the death troopers are now engaged. Yeah. And um, I would like to draw attention to that because during when the death troopers get engaged, we see the clone, like we, not the clones, we see the commandos, the rebel commandos getting taken out left and right by these accurate gunfire. And when Donnie Zien's character goes out with just his quarter staff up and the, I'm with the force, the force is me. Yeah. I'm the force, the force is me, whatever. And he goes out all the way there. They're the ones missing him. It's not just regular stormtroopers. Like yeah. they, they, they made sure that those death troopers were deadly accurate. Mm-hmm. And then after Donnie Yen's character is killed, Baze Malbus just goes full, you know, barbarian rage, barbarian just, yeah. range kills the death troopers and gets shot, goes down. And then a thermal detonator takes them all out. We don't see his death on camera, but we know he's dead. Yeah. There's no question about it. And then we cue back up our girl. Jen Urso's on top of the, she goes to the little like aperture, like slicey up kind of vent thing which is a little weird to me i don't know why that yeah, was included i didn't feel like they really needed that but i guess just to add some extra tension but she gets through there gets up to the top and find out that the tower is not aligned correctly so you got to mm-hmm. reset the alignment so that's another side mission to do yes and there she's confronted with krennic again well she goes out there she gets it into alignment and then that yeah. little t-wing or whatever those other tie fighter types the, oh, the yeah, kind of yeah. terrestrial tie fighters that they had blast it she comes you know d- destroys the little thing little she bridge. was on yeah and then she's able to climb back up and that's where she's engaged with krennic again mm-hmm. and i like that it's not just like we'll destroy all these planets he's just more like he just he's really confused as to what's going on yeah he's like who are you right and she's like i'm so and so and then he kind of just makes fun of her for a second and then thank god cassian andor is a a bad boy yeah comes and takes him out gives him a blast and yeah you know doesn't kill him outright but shoots him well enough and he goes down and we get the data transfer yeah the plans are sent back up to the ship yep and so they've got him now on yep. on the the big uh fleet ship up there um yeah and at that point suddenly out of warp speed you know warp space 
Death Star shows up. That's right. We're detecting a massive object appearing from hyperspace. Yeah. And we get and then on down on on the on the land. You look up and you just see like a moon. Yep. On the horizon, the yep. Death Star there, and you're like, oh. Yep. This is not going to go well for these people that I like so much. Right. And uh, we see Moff Tarkin. You know, he knows Krennic's down there. Everything's been, you know, kind of messed up, and he's just like, target Scarif, target yeah. Scarif base, and you know, um. Which we know at this point, you know, it's, it's, which they don't know, it's too late. Like the plane, the plants are already sent out, but, mm-hmm. you know, I guess from Tarkin's, you know, thing, you got to just try and do what you can to stop it in his tracks. Yeah. And who cares about Director Krennic anyways? Right. You yeah, know. Psh, he's, yeah. He's a peon. Yeah. So in comes another, you know, blast. Single, single reactor ignition. And here yeah. it comes hitting the water. And we see essentially Jen and Cassian on the beach, on the beach, accepting their fate. I mean, there's nothing much you can do at that point. There's nothing much they can do. They hold each other in like a non-romantic, but just comforting way. And the light overtakes them and they're gone. Yep. Our our main two characters are destroyed. They're, they're dead. That's it. And I like that. I like that because, you know. She had, you know, her nickname was Stardust. That's what he called her. And that's essentially kind of what she's become at this point. Oh. And then, I mean, not in a bad way, but then Cassian, <laughs> when it's sad for me, cause I love the Andor series so much. So when I see Cassian die, I got, yeah. I've got a whole nother season of them coming out, which I'm excited about. Yeah. But the inevitability, uh, the inevitability. But when you see his beginning and you understand what he's been through and what season two is going to bring, hopefully, and then what he's been through, even in this movie, yeah, he's accomplished his goal. You know, yeah, it yeah. wasn't all for naught. And you see what built up to that pivotal accomplishment. Like I would have loved to see him at the Ewok base, you know, like on indoor, you know, I've mm-hmm. loved him to see on the indoor trying to, to uh, take out the shield generators there. But you know, my guy got people die in war. And that's one of the things about rogue one is rogue one does not hide the fact that it's a military, like the, the entire thing is built around the, the, the title is star. The second word is, Wars. Wars. It's, 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 it, it, it does some not, of it's in space. Some of the other half is wars. <laughs> yes. So, you know, that's the thing. So they do not make light of the fact that it is a conflict movie. Like it is a war movie yeah. essentially. And so that's why I like about Rogue One. And once the, the, the things get, you know, once Admiral Raddus or whatever sees that this blast is happening, you know, you get the Godspeed, you know, like Rogue One. And then he sends everybody into hyperspace. Yeah. And probably 40% of the ships make it to hyperspace. And then you get Lord Vader's star destroyer coming Just, in yeah, like point blank rage coming range, coming out of hyperspace ships, that crashing ships into crashing the front blow up. Yes. And he is just, you know, ion turbo blasters going crazy. Yeah. And we see that the, the Mon Calamari flagship is just getting wasted. And, um, once it's disabled, we see Darth Vader on board. Yeah, they send a boarding craft. Prepare a boarding party. Yeah. And now we get to... That's that, that next Vader scene, like, she's going through the hallway. So we get the scene, we get to see our, our rebel Marines on board that ship. Yeah. The door is jammed. We see the guy finally getting upload. He gets his little card out that, that, that has, has the, the information the on it. Yeah. And they're all trying to get to the door to get towards the escape pods or towards, yeah. you know, whatever is in there. And in the darkness, 
we get the Darth Vader sound. And then the lightsaber illuminates. And they're just like, open fire. And like playing with children. Yeah. He killed and he enjoys it. Yeah. He relishes it. It's not just blocking the blaster fire. He's directing it back at them to take them out. And he just... Angry, heavy swings, force choking, slamming them up in the the ceiling thing. Like, oh, it is one of the best scenes of in Star. Like, people talk about the the Darth Vader scenes from Obi Wan. I have my issues with the Obi Wan series, and I think that there was a lot of cool things that they did in the Obi Wan Mm. series where Darth Vader was like ripping doors apart and stuff like that. However, this one was it may you know if you if you'd only seen Darth Vader fighting in the sequels right mm-hmm. or in, in the original four the original yeah. trilogy you were like oh well you know it's not that great yeah here he's just scary and so you finally yeah. see the guy handing the, the the plans to another guy through the crack and then yeah. you see the lightsaber go through his stomach and through the door the door then opens up and yeah. he just starts hammering away and they give it. Does he get off one more time? Does one more person get it? I think. I, I don't remember if they hand it off to one more guy, but they are able to get the stuff out to the next through the next door. Through the next door, and they're like launch, and then you he hits the thing that the the thing closes, and then we see the Tanta Four drop out of the spaceship. Yeah, the bay door opens up, and it just drops out. Drops out and and takes off, and we see just Darth Vader standing there. Vader looking. and the other troopers just like on the edge of the the docking bay just staring at it as it takes yeah. off and the troopers come through there. We see a guy dressed just like the captain from the episode four, a new hope. Mm-hmm. And we get to see princess Leia CGI yeah, the door opens up. You see the back of the white veil and thing. And you're like, <gasps> there she is. That's her. And then, yeah, she turns around and yeah, you see that. And then you're like, you have the resolution. Oh, this it literally takes up like right at the beginning of a new hope. Yeah. Like if you watched it back to back, like it, it instantly is right at that other place. It is. And that's so and that's that's pretty much the end of the movie. So we, we lose our main characters. We have a lot of like really interesting things going on. They really went in through there and they try to pl- close out plot holes from the original series that, you know, George Lucas couldn't have like imagined or like, you know, he wouldn't have known that they were looked at as hard uh, back then. And so. Yeah, man, I love this movie. I get that we're so right. You know, we're talking about a six-year-old movie or whatever, seven-year-old movie. Yeah. But the movie is great. And in honor of May the 4th, you know, this is what we kind of wanted to do is go through and do a deep dive in it. Because yeah, dive into yeah, definitely one of your favorite Star Wars movies. Definitely one of my favorite Star Wars. I mean, the original trilogy is great. The prequels are something that I can't ever, you know. I like Like, them. I can't ever turn down because they yeah. were great. And with Rogue One it is the best standalone movie in Star yeah. Wars. And it kind of bridges this gap between the prequels and, and the original series and stuff. And it, it did it in a very good way. Yes. I think to fill in some of that, you know, extra info that everybody's been wondering since the seventies, you know, yeah. how they get these plans, all this stuff, it fills in a lot of those, those plot things, which is awesome. So I'm going to go, so going through for my rating, right? So I'm going to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So now that we've kind of dusted, we're going to each kind of give it our, uh, a rating kind of what our opinions. So I base mine on, I've got like a, a, a five point scale and it's based on five different, uh, points. Okay. So my, the first thing I'm talking about is the visuals where I think the visuals are ranked at. Okay. Um, I think the visuals are 10 out of 10 for me on that. So, so essentially this is how my rating scale works. I've got a one through 10 scale. Uh, for five different categories, and at the end, I total it up. Okay. Right? And I move it a decimal cool. point. 
So for me, it's the visuals, the, the, the battles, even the Tarkin and Leia, the CGI. After watching it this time, I honestly didn't think it was that bad. So visuals, because it is a huge Star Wars movie, you've got the best space battles. You've got amazing yeah, sh- sci-fi action. Ship designs are awesome. Weapons mm. are awesome. Costumes are yes. fantastic. Yes. Visuals, 10 out of 10, out of 10 for that. Uh, in the props, same thing. Right, Little yeah. things, just like making the guys grow their mustaches out. Everything the looks attention like to it, detail. The attention to detail was amazing. 10 out of 10 for that on me. The cast was a 9 out of 10. I think there was a few people that could have been. Um, yeah. part the, this also includes acting. I think there was a couple scenes like the... Um, like the Rogue One scene, like where they actually name themselves, seemed a little rushed. There yeah, was a couple there, other. There was a few things here and there, yeah. That and like, I mean, as much as I like Donnie and some of his things, lines were even a little cheesy, cheesy kind of stuff. Sure, you know, it was what it was. But yeah, and I think some of that too is just like the. Well, I'll talk about that with writing, but uh, so for cast, I gave it a nine out of ten. Writing nine out of ten because it is um, really great. But there are things like we we only hear Baze Malbus's name one time. Like he's mm-hmm. a forgettable, like he's, he's a memorable character. Like nobody, everybody remembers who he is, but we should know what his name is. Yeah. And the same thing with Donnie Yen's character. I've been calling him Donnie Yen's character. Right. His name's like exactly. Itching, I can't remember itchy, what itchy it is. Or something like that. And we only hear it for like one time when Baze calls it out. Yeah. Like, itch Like after he dies. Yeah. Um, so a little. I'd agree with that. There, there are a couple of little writing things there here and there that I don't like. So nine out of 10 for that. And then just the X factor. It is the violent, dark Star Wars that I've always wanted and I loved it. You you don't have there's only one lightsaber. Yep. You know, you see there's no Jedi nope. in it anywhere, really. You know, you don't even have much force stuff outside of Vader and the, the Well, and Donnie Yen's character a little yeah. bit. We get to see his yeah, thing. And I wanted to bring this up to you because I think you'll find it interesting with the new Ahsoka series coming out. You know, Ezra Bridger has kind of taken like he he is the one of the, the Jedi from the Rebel series. Okay. Cartoons. And he is essentially kind of put down his lightsaber and he is using a more force empowered martial arts thing. And mm. I think that'll be really interesting to see in the Ahsoka series. And I like that when I was watching that with Donnie Yen, I could see how much fun you could have with that. That's cool. I would be interested in that. So for me, for John, I give it a 4.8 out of 5. 4.8 out of 5. So pretty dang close to a 5 out of 5. There's a couple of little close things. To perfect, but a couple perfect. gripes. Okay. Yeah, a couple of my couple of minor little things, and that's just at like a super critique level. Right. Right. Uh, overall, I think anybody that doesn't like Rogue One, they're lying to themselves a little bit. Right. But like you said, like for you, it's it's worth a watch about once a year. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, I think I think for my rating, I don't know that it'll be as granular. Definitely kind of a more base thing, but I would give it a four out of five. Four out of five. Okay. I'd say yeah, it was it was a very entertaining movie. Again, it filled in information that you know you've always been wondering. Yeah, like a lot of awesome action scenes. Like, again, mm-hmm. a, a huge fan of Vader. So getting to see the more violent, you know, ruthless Vader stuff, a super fan of. Again, like getting to see my boy Donnie in there. Yep. Doing some like ninja uh, Jedi Matrix stuff. That was awesome. Um, the comic relief. K2SO. K2SO was um, hilarious, you know, in such a serious movie. To have some of that in there tastefully mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah. So... The most adult, the most adult comic relief by, yeah. by leagues. It was awesome. Yeah. Then, yeah, the set pieces, yeah, the giant explosions in the distance and stuff from the Star Destroyer mm-hmm. and all those, or the uh, Death Star, like a lot of good set pieces. Um, yeah. But then 
a couple little things here. You some of the acting, some of the the dialogue, some of the writing stuff. Like, yeah, it it, it was kind of it was all, it was all right in some of those things, but yeah, I'd give it a, a four out of five. Yeah, I think the Andor writing is a little bit better, but um, and because there's some scenes in that, there's like some monologues given in the Andor series that are just phenomenal. But yeah, overall, I think it's great. The only, one little thing I would add too is. I wish in the original New Hope series, we see them, t- we hear them talk about the Bothan spies. We hear them type, yeah. many Bothans died to give us this information. I don't think I really saw any Bothans. Yes, that's a good point. And I, I wish that's one thing that they would have also covered is like had the Bothans. I would have loved to seen a Bothan come out of invisibility with a little flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, harkening yeah. back or like to a whole unit, Like a whole unit of them yeah. was like willing to go with just them. Cool. Would have been interesting. I think that would have lended some, you know, extra stuff to the because that was the whole point telling the story of how we got to where we were in right, episode right. four and i think it was a great great thing so gareth edwards congratulations job. great job felicity jones diego luna everybody that was involved in it fantastic movie yeah that was good so well, alrighty, that's that's our that's rogue one a star wars story so yeah in the future we're going to try to do some of these for movies or whatever yeah. and if it's kind of scattered interstitially throughout you know some of the other podcasts every now and then one of these will pop up may even be some uh new movies. exclusive ones on uh, our patreon Ooh, tell as well them, tell, we're tell Speak, us about patreon yeah speaking of which if you uh want to help support the show if you find value in what we do and want to you know give us some value back you can go to patreon.com slash geek etc podcast and help support the show there, you know, with as little of uh, one credit. I mean, sorry, one dollar a month. <laughs> that was clever. You can uh, help support us. And um, like I've mentioned in some other episodes, I'm in the process of building us a, a little uh, community discord where yep. we can go and talk about, you know, a current uh, podcast episodes or other, you know, things like movies or TV shows or video games, things we're interested in. Yep. Keep you updated on some news around those topics. Um, um, hopefully well, that'll be, it's, it's a lot of work to build all that, but, uh, you know, working on that, hopefully that'll be, we'll let you know as soon as that's finished. Yep. Uh, and make sure if you want to also be part of our community, you can always go to the geeky C podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or it's not Facebook. <laughs> no. Whoops. YouTube. Shh. And Nobody Twitter. uses Facebook anymore. No. Yeah. Geek, and that, it's just GeekyTC Podcast on, on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram and GeekyTC Podcast on YouTube. Oh, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, the podcasts are uploaded on uh, YouTube and every major podcast platform. You can visit our, our, our website at geekytcpod.com where you can see our show notes that Josh takes a lot of time to curate. And remember, we release episodes, new episodes every Wednesday. So feel free to also send us an email, geekydcpodcast at gmail.com. If you hate these episodes, if you do like them, whatever you want to do, or if you want us to review or talk, do a deep dive into one of your favorite things in the future, let us know. Um, yeah, we appreciate any feedback you give, any just thoughts or opinions. They're always uh, fun to see and hear about. Absolutely. And just like the Rebel Alliance, geeks fight better together. Oh, yes, they do. Especially against the evil forces of the Empire. However you want to help us in that battle, always remember to keep geeking out.